Welcome to International Podcast Month, or IPM. IPM is brought to you by the organizational team, Cole, Tess, and Theron. A very special thank you to all of our participants, without whom this event wouldn't be possible. And now, on to the episode. When we started this journey, I was just a dropout from the College of Arcanists. Some girl who could turn into animals. A pickpocket looking for answers. I was a swan. But along the way, I found hope. Love. Family. I found out I can turn into a giant worm. Okay, look, Signana, I... What? He's right. But it's really not fitting in with the tone of what we're going for here. I mean, we're all talking about the... Queer Dungeoneers, an actual play podcast about being who you are by being someone different. I can turn into a worm. Oh, forget it. The Babylon Project is our last Best Hope for Trash. Join me, Justin, and two of my friends, Jude and Anna, as we rewatch and discuss some of our favorite media. Our first long deep dive is into Babylon 5. Yes, that 90s sci-fi show. Trust us, it's great. We talk about alien biology, the definition of a war crime, and just really how much J. Michael Straczynski liked his Tolkien, even if he won't admit it. Join us for the fun at the Babylon Project. Life's a game. The world's a stage. And we're merely role players. Now playing in the main house. Vigil. It's true. My department has abandoned this town and left you to fend for yourselves against your worst nightmares. But I promise I'm not going anywhere. And I'm asking you to join me. Your neighbours never need to wake up and remember their nightmares, because we'll be there, keeping watch. Vigil, a Merely Role Players production. Search for Merely Role Players wherever you find podcasts. Maximum drama guaranteed. Hello and welcome everyone to this IPM 2021 Dust Wardens one-shot special. My name is Ursula, my pronouns are she and they, and I will be your GM today. Uh, This is my first time GMing for IPM and I'm very excited to share Dust Wardens with you all. The system describes itself as a game about bonds, queer family, and safe havens set in a post-apocalyptic world where rampant plant life has retaken a broken planet, where ghosts linger and witches commune with the spirits of objects to learn about the past, a world haunted by the evils of humanity left behind by those who came before. It also uses tarot cards instead of dice to determine outcomes, uh, with special effects coming into play for ace cards as well as major arcana, which can be drawn upright or reversed, just like in a tarot reading. Today I am joined by my lovely players Matt, Justin and Kelly, who will be taking on the role of the titular Dust Wardens, who are people who are bound together by a force called Limerence, which allows them to draw upon magical powers. And they act as the kind of documenters and protectors in this new world. So let's meet our characters and their players, starting with Kieran. 
Hey, that's me. That's you. My name's Kelly and my pronouns are they, them. And Kieran's name is Kieran and their pronouns are they, them. And Kieran's whole thing is that they uh, were part of like a nomadic family that would travel around kind of just existing. And then y'all came around and showed them that you can go on cool adventures. So they decided to come with you and use photography as sort of their means of interacting with the world and people because they're sort of emotionally awkward. So they have like a whole collection of Polaroid pictures and stuff because it's super hipster and twee. I cannot tell you how excited I am for spellcasting using the camera. <laughs> Next, I have Rowan. Oh yeah, so hi, my name is Justin. My pronouns are they, he. I am playing Rowan, whose pronouns are she, her. And she is an arcane researcher who comes from a community that was scarred by magic. So she is trying to understand the things that hurt where she came from. She's studying to be more of a like traditional spellcaster, right? Yeah, and she's like looking to understand the effects of magic and what can what can come from it. Yeah, uh, and finally, Archie. Uh, so I'm Matt. My pronouns are he, him. I'm playing Archie, whose pronouns are he and they. Archie came from a kind of prepper community uh, who were all very about guarding what they've got from other people who might take it and being very scared of the outside world. Archie escaped that and met up with all of you lot. And Archie's whole thing is finding ways to navigate through this ever-evolving, unmappable wilderness that we all now live in post-apocalypse. Awesome. And speaking of unmappable wilderness, let's see where our coven's travels take them. on a scene of a giant rotating metal wheel and nestled in that wheel are our three witches. I will take first because my character is probably the first that we would see. Archie is sitting on like an outrigger out from the axle of the giant wheel so that he can see forward and where the wheel is going because Archie does a lot of the navigating. Archie wears a very practical cargo vest with like useful things neatly sealed away in every pocket, neatly buttoned away. But then his hair is very long and has been allowed to get very wild, is tied back in a very loose plait with ribbons woven through it, whipping in the wind as the giant wheel rolls along through the overgrown wilderness. I'll go next. Kieran would be in sort of what passes as our living quarters, but it's more like a roll cage area. And they're sort of sitting on like a plush beanbag that has been set up in this roll cage. But the whole thing is just kind of like slowly rocking back and forth as it's trying to like actuate straight down. And the whole place is like decorated with these Polaroid pictures all over the place with like little strings connecting them. And they are currently going through a book that they have of their favorite Polaroid pictures while drinking tea that is also sort of just like spilling just a little bit all over the place. They wear sort of like a big tan duster, but underneath have like wool sweater that's like a full on turtleneck. Those kind of like pleated pants that you can tell this person is a photographer and has uh, sort of short trimmed on the side teal hair. 
and is just currently trying to figure out which of their pictures means the most to them right now where, while we're going wherever we're going. <laughs> All right. And just want to check, was, was Archie driving? I don't know about driving, but definitely in a position to see where we're going and kind of navigate. I don't know whether that also translates to controlling the movement of the wheel or not. <laughs> Okay, so we'll say that we'll say we'll say that Rowan is driving and, and is eagerly listening to navigation. So uh Rowan is pretty femme presenting. She has like long braided hair. She's got a generally like concentrated look on her face, eyebrows pinched together as she is trying to focus on the road and not crash this horrible monstrosity that they have. And much to her disconcertation, the easiest way to purposefully drive the wheel is to not think about it, <laughs> which is very, um, it's very problematic for her because that is not how her brain works. She wears a long brown coat that presently is draped over the back of like, we'll call it the driver's seat. She has the worry lines of somebody who spends a lot of time poured over books or closely investigating things. And as the three of you are sitting in your monstrosity of a vehicle, <laughs> as you call it, Kieran looks up and notices in the distance this patch of green in this empty, quite barren landscape that's filled with, you know, very tough kind of more greys and browns, very hardy plants. And you point it out to your companions because this is what you've been searching for. So how do you approach this town, which you can see is just overrun with these thick, fibrous, thistle-like branches and vines. I mean, as long as we're still chill, we can do it effectively. But the moment any of us panics or gets distraught, this thing's wiping out. So do not upset us. <laughs> Unless we're all panicking That's in true. the same way. As long as we're simpatico panicking, we're okay. If you can get us all in the same mood while telling us that we've found another town that is being overrun by this, by all means. <laughs> I think there's a slight jangle. <laughs> like there's a little more noise as Kieran looks up and notices this town. So the other two of you are probably aware that there's been some distracting thought that one of you has had. Just like one sharp, just, <gasps> and then wibble. No, no, um, uh, I'm okay. Uh, we should, um, we should stop and, 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 and walk from here, right? Rowan is going to, like, put the brakes on and say, that's one option, otherwise we could try to proceed. How bad is it? We might want to get the, get the wheel closer if we, if we're going to have to evacuate people on, like, short notice. That's true. All right, um, <clears throat> well, if, 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 if you're all confident about that, I'm sure that I can, I can also be confident about that. Uh, let's... Let's go. Awesome. So your giant wheel starts rolling towards this town. It's eerily quiet, except for every now and then there's a, there's a little jangle as one of you has a little bit of a dissident thought, a little bit of worry about what you're about to find. Um, but you, you roll on up quite smoothly and unsurprisingly, <laughs> as you reach the outskirts of the town, there's, there's someone standing there just watching this strange, strange vehicle approach their home. They're wearing very stained, dark overalls and a plaid shirt and a wide brim hat. Archie jumps down off the, off the outrigger using like a bungee to soften the fall a little bit and then just like unclipping it as he lands. 
and just walks briskly up to this person saying, don't worry about the wheel. What seems to be going on? Oi, that's a mighty strange contraption you have there. If you're looking for fuel or repairs, I'm afraid you probably won't find it here. We're uh, having a little bit of an issue. Yeah, we we saw. Um, how long ago did it start? Oi, hard to say. The vines, they've always been here. But uh, I'd say they've only started growing up quite so badly in the last week or so. I'm going to kind of like drop out of the bottom of the wheel, <laughs> kind of like uh, landing a little bit rough now with uh, my Polaroid camera sort of like on a strap around my shoulder. And I'll walk up and be like, wait, you, you said that it's always been here? Like, like, did you did you have it as a as a decoration or live in unison with it? Is it sentient? Did you did you hang out with it? You are mighty, mighty strange folk, huh? You don't know the half of it. <laughs> well, it's kind of always been here. I, I don't know if I'd say we lived in unison with it. It's not like we were sitting around singing Kumbaya, but uh, I mean, it's, it's just it's been here, you know, just around, just growing. Mid talking, I'm going to take a picture of them. And then as the picture comes out, I'm going to be like, what name and uh, pronouns do I put on this on this picture? Oh, um. You, you can call me Dave. My pronouns are they, them. Hi. I don't. I, I just start writing. <laughs> nice to meet you, Dave. And you too. Uh... I, think, I think Dave's asking what your name is. Oh, sorry. That was very dense of me. Hey, I'm Archie. My pronouns are he, they. Uh, I'll let my companions introduce themselves. Rowan has descended from the outrigger and says, Rowan, she, her. And she pulls out her notebook and immediately starts taking notes on the thistle griff. Uh, Kieran, they, them, please don't ask about the wheel. Uh, well, okay, now I really want to ask about the wheel. You simply cannot. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Everything about it is just fine and normal. The wheel kind of shudders a little bit as Dave looks at it a little bit too hard. Do not worry about it. And then they obviously decide that it's too much trouble. They say, oh, well, <clears throat> nice to meet y'all. Uh, are you here to help? Yes. Uh, we're something of, uh, she, she considers for a moment and says, scholars who have some experience the matter. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's, it's twofold, really. This is very interesting, what's happening, and we wanted to see it. Uh, and you can see that Kieran likes to take photos and we, we wanted to get some evidence of what's happening. But also, though, I don't know if you've ever seen anything happening before, like what's happening to your vine here, but we did this one time and it was bad. So we wanted to come and warn you about that. Honestly, this is the first time we've put in here this uh, early in the process, and it doesn't usually doesn't usually turn out well. And I'm going to like take one of the pictures that I have of like end stage of this from my album and hand it to Dave. They take the photo, they, they look at it and they kind of push their hand up under the brim of their hat in a very exasperated, but obviously, you know, quite anxious gesture. What does the end stage look like? Arcane researcher, go. <laughs> <laughs> so just speaking in like out of character for this. So I, I like, and I, I don't want to give people's thoughts on this, but I'm thinking like the end state is a slow like assimilation of the community into the thistle. Mm. Excellent. I think like the end state of it is like that thing where you see like faces carved in trees. 
Ooh, and kind of like in Annihilation. Okay, yeah, I, I like that, like the Annihilation endpoint where it's like some people get like encased in tree and other people become like hosts to the to the thistle. Yeah. Can I add an atmospheric detail of the photo is ever so slightly blurred in places from all of the drifting pollen? Ooh, I like yes. that. Yeah, that's good. Oh, um, well, shit. Uh, you can keep that one. I've got a few more. Th- thanks. I'll, I'll treasure it. <laughs> so, so what do we do? I mean, you're not going to have an easy time convincing these people to leave. How many people roughly are we talking? They, I mean, they come and go, but at the moment we have... Like 30, 40 people. Oof. And that seems strange to you because this town isn't really that big. It's not even really a town. Like it is very much a kind of collection of buildings. You wouldn't expect maybe more than 20 people at the absolute most. The wheel jingles and rattles ever so slightly as Archie readjusts their estimation of how many people it could carry. <laughs> <laughs> Does it like change shape to accommodate more people? I think maybe it's trying to. I think maybe it changes shape when no one is looking at it. So you're just going to come back and it's going to look different. Because <laughs> it does its magic best when you're not thinking about it. I know the others are very confident in our abilities, Dave, but I'm going to be completely honest with you. Having, having only seen what it eventually does, um, we're mostly here to present you know, what it looks like after. We don't really have the authority or capacity to stop it. Or even really tell people what to do. We're just mostly here for information and to try to help where we can, giving knowledge to the world, and the world can do with it, um, hopefully with positive intent. Well, I guess that's fair enough. I'm s- I suppose you want to speak to the, the mayor, such as she is. Yeah, that would be, yeah, if you've got a, somebody in charge, speaking to her would be, uh, be helpful, yeah. Cool. Uh, fo- follow me. <laughs> um, and they kind of saunter off. They lead you into one of the buildings and you were nervous crossing the threshold of this building because it's obviously under a lot of pressure from the vines that are growing on it. And you can see as you pass through the doorway, none of these thistles have actually bloomed yet, but you can see the buds and you remember, you remember that pollen <laughs> that's in the air. And these, these are ready. These are ready to explode. The building itself is not very big, but inside it's completely open. It's not divided into rooms. And you see that there is no floor. There's just this boardwalk walkway that spirals down into the earth. And you realize this is how so many people can live here. Part of their community is underground. And as you walk down this spiral ramp boardwalk, it gets darker and there are torches and braziers on the sides. Some of them look a little magical. But the main thing you notice is that these vines, they're not just on the surface, they're growing down. The vines are not just a surface problem for this community. But Dave, Dave leads you to a kind of a cavern and you can see a woman with dark hair pulled back in, in a tight bun and she's wearing boots and she's got them up on the table and she's reading something on a piece of paper and she looks up as you all walk over and says, Dave, I thought you were supposed to be guarding the entrance. What are you doing here? And who are these people? Well, uh, they've, they've come to help, sort of. Uh, they, they know a little bit about what's happening here. I'm going to take another picture <laughs> of, the, of the mayor. I've probably been taking pictures like the whole way down, especially stuff that we've never seen before. But when we see her, I'm going to take a picture as well and sort of like sit there with a pen expectedly. Petra, it, it, uh, it don't look good. I think we should reconsider evacuating. 
And Petra kind of rolls her eyes and says, I'll take it under advisement. And uh, who might you be? Um, I'm Rowan. Uh, I'm a researcher with regards to the, to the thistle. Right. And your friends? Um, I'm Kieran. Uh, I, I take most of the pictures. And yeah, this place is strange. Um, that's it. Archie hasn't registered the question because ever since we came into the building and saw the underground portion starting to reveal itself, his mental map has just been recalibrating. His mental map is just all made up of routes through and routes out. And now he has like a whole nother section of the town to build into that. So he's kind of deep in his own thoughts at the moment and not really listening. <laughs> I'm going to look at her picture while it's, what's it called? When, when the picture appears. Developing? Developing. I'm going to look at the picture and be like, this doesn't look like a person that's bothered by what's going on. Okay. You said they're here to help, Dave? Uh, yeah. Because I'm not bothered. The vines have always been here. They will always be here. They're just a little bigger right now. I don't, I don't see the issue. This unnecessary panic. I'm trying to keep the town fed. I'm trying to keep them safe. We've got bigger things to worry about than a giant plant. Uh, Dave, Dave do you still have that, that other one? That other picture? Uh, yeah. He hands it to, uh, to Petra, who kind of takes it and, and d really does not study it in any, any great detail. I mean, how do you know that that's going to happen to ours? I mean, how many other times have you seen this? Do you know what caused it? The vines have always been here. It's, uh, too many questions for me, Rowan. So when did this all develop? Oh, I don't know. A week or two ago. A week or two. And what precipitated that? Can you roll? Sorry, can you draw negotiate? Yeah. So when you employ charm or intimidation to get something from someone, draw. Okay, I'm trying to think, what would this be under? Mm. So it depends how you're doing it. I mean, you can choose whichever stat you want, but um, you have to justify it with the roleplay, basically. Like, how are you asking her? Are you being forceful? Are you being charming? Are you I, think it's, I think we're going to use give just as a gentle thing. Like, this is, a, this is a not accusatory, this is a inquisitive. Okay, our first draw of the game. <laughs> Do you want to go ahead and pull a card? All right. Uh, that is the King of Cups. Excellent. On a face, they do what you want. They'll give you what you seek. All right. Rowan is going to say, typically these sort of growths don't happen out of nowhere. There should have been, there could have been something that's even seemingly unrelated. But if there was anything that happened that changed with the community beforehand. I think this convinces her not necessarily because you're being compassionate, but because you you see her kind of her eyes glaze over and you, you realize that she no longer perceives you as a threat. So she's going to tell you. Okay. Ah, look, times are hard. We feed this village by trading ore for food. The mining activity has been a little heavier of late. We've, we had an influx of residents. We do what we can to survive. I see. So... She's going to, like, more speak to Kieran and Archie now and say it might be something related to either the increased population or the increased activity of ore extraction. We'd probably need to know more, but either one could be drawing more of the thistle out. 
completely still talk like talking out loud in complete earshot of Petra be like do you think uh she would tell us if like the mood around here has changed or if people are getting along I mean they said that food is running low maybe having more people and more food is a bad thing that seems like a bad idea Petra bristles a little bit at that uh, particularly because you're not addressing her and says look we help people when they come to us they need food they need shelter we provide it and we can't produce any of our own I mean have you seen the land we've tried farming it it doesn't work how else are we supposed to take care of these people Archie suddenly focuses where did they come from the the new influx of people I don't know. There was some other settlement not too far away that got flooded. There was a, a dam. Their dam breached. I don't know. They they came to us looking for help. Still not talking to Petra and kind of just still talking to the other two. Could it could it be important that they are like upset when they come here? Um, I'm not too sure. Of course, they're upset. Their homes were destroyed. But you said you were living in in harmony with the thistles until like a, a week ago. I'm just trying. To, I'm just trying to figure out. I'm just I'm just trying to figure out full stop. <laughs> Can I maybe study her and see like why she's getting upset at what I'm saying using scrying eye? Yeah, scrying eyes is perfect. All right. And I'm going to use my guile mm-hmm. to read people. I'm sort of just jumping back and forth between the picture of her and herself. Is that Oh, I got to draw two cards of cuz I've got two guile. Yes. Okay. So I've got six or queen. For this move, it's it's one of the ones where like you get to ask a certain number of questions. So six is actually a full success for this move. But on a face, I apparently draw an extra card when I use this information later? Yes. Okay. So I kind of want to know, like, is she, like, does she think that she did something, like, does she think she's in trouble in this situation? Yes. Okay. You definitely get the sense and you almost get it more from looking at her photo since photos are more your domain of understanding. You know, looking at her, she's incredibly closed off and obviously getting a little bit agitated and aggressive. But when you look at her photo, you can feel waves of worry and guilt. And she's obviously concerned that their choices to mine deeper, to try and extract more ore from this place, to feed these extra mouths, may have caused the endangerment of her home and her community. Okay. I think rather than using that information right now, I'm just going to like let her be mad at me at the moment. Oh, she's mad. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm just not, I'm not going to like apologize or anything. I'm just going to kind of like let her be mad at me and just wait and see what happens. (laughs) Look, if you think you can do something, by all means, go ahead. But I have these people to look after. They need me and they need this place. And the vines have never been a problem before, and I, I don't have time to worry about whether they're going to be a problem now. Well, how about, if it's okay with you, we'll, we'll take a look around the place, and we'll talk to the people, and we'll let them know what the possible, not definite, possible outcome of this change is. And any of them that are scared and, and want to leave, we can take them, and that'll be fewer mouths for you to feed, and then everybody, everybody's happy then, right? Can you also draw negotiate? <laughs> yeah, sure thing. And I feel like I'm I feel like this is kind of a give. Mm, definitely. Right? I'm 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 offering her something in in return for this. So you can draw two cards for that one. Cool. First one is Queen of Pentacles and the 10 of Pentacles. Both good. Excellent. On a face, they do what you want or give you what you seek. She takes a very deep breath. <sighs> All right. Fine. I appreciate the assist. Just when you're asking around, try not to scare them. They've been through enough already. 
Yeah, that's the last thing we want. We're just here to inform and help people make the most informed choice with the information. Uh, maybe hold on to that picture then. Don't. <laughs> no one needs to see that. Dave kind of puts it in their pocket. Thanks. Yeah, Kieran, have you got any less dramatic ones? I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that any angle could make that less dramatic. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but um, if I see anything of, this, of a similar vibe, I'll try to capture it. Dave, do you want to show them to the main settlement? Uh, sure thing. Follow me, I guess. And <laughs> Dave just starts walking. <laughs> uh, do you follow? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm actually, I, I would like to keep up with Dave and not, not follow, but be trotting along beside him. Now that Archie's had time to sort of remap the place in their mind, Archie now has questions along the lines of, um, so the uh, mining equipment and the, the mine, this is, a, this is an ore extraction operation. So you must have ways of getting the ore out efficiently. Do you have like pulley systems, winch systems? Are there tracks? Uh, tell me all about the, the routes and things. Well, this place is, has always been a mine. We came here and, and all the equipment was already here and we just kind of used it. One of those buildings back on the surface has a elevator. Uh, not, not unlike your, your weird spinny wheel thing. It's not weird. It's completely normal. Sorry, your, uh, your totally normal spinny wheel that I, I won't think about any further. It's delightful. And the three of you, you don't know whether it's like anxiety or whether you're actually feeling it. You feel like a shudder as if you were in the vehicle and it was, it was falling apart a little. <laughs> uh, that's how we get the ore to the surface. And, and then another, another one of those buildings houses uh, good old fashioned vehicles that run on fire that we, we drive to the, the trading post not too far from here. Uh, we exchange it for whatever we can get, really. The roots... I mean, like Petra said, they've always been here. Sometimes they get bigger, sometimes they stay the same. It's it's never been quite this bad. Oh. Archie's eyes lit up at elevator and uh he didn't necessarily take in much of what came afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> Dave leads you along this raised wooden boardwalk. Um and you are in this cabin, so it's pretty eerie. You were on this kind of rock ledge and now you're kind of walking over what appears to be a cavern. You don't really know because it's too dark through this kind of big empty open space, open tube, sorry. But then the cavern opens out again and you can see not buildings per se, but these kind of semi-permanent tent structures, which obviously have become permanent through time and reinforcement. Yeah, it's essentially a little underground village. You see people milling around. Uh, many of them are wearing, you know, quite dirty clothes like Dave. You realise now it's probably because they're miners. There are a couple of, I guess, less hardy looking folk uh, moving around who you assume to be the newcomers. Um, there are a couple of children running about, not a huge number. And everything's, everything's slightly eerie because it's obviously all lit up in firelight. And again, you see some kind of some lights that look maybe vaguely magical. And you definitely get the sense that this community drawing together is creating some kind of limerence. There isn't a magical effect here, which is, is normal. I'm going to start trying to take as many like impromptu pictures as possible. Just kind of, like when you see those pictures of like communities and stuff and it's like catching them in their their moments of what's the word like not staged. Candid. Candid. Yeah. As many like candid pictures as I can before the people like notice that we're newcomers. Yeah, you, you do that. 
I'm not going to make you draw for that because it's what you do. I'm sort of like planning a spell in my head as things go on. Your component pouch is just a pocket full of Polaroids. Yeah, uh, I think Kieran's sort of just devising as best they can a strategy, even though they're not like the strategic kind, but they, they feel that if they can get sort of everyone's vibe before they acknowledge us that they might be able to gleam something down the road. Actually, I take that back. I am going to make you draw something, <laughs> not for using the camera, but if you're doing it in a way that is like you're worried that it will draw attention to you, I'm going to get you to draw gear up. <laughs> okay. When you bring out a tool or gadget to help you or operate a device, draw on a hit, you traverse the environment, enter a foe, or otherwise utilize your equipment as desired. On a six to ten, choose one. It requires maintenance afterwards, or you draw unsafe attention to yourself. I think this is probably 100% glamour since it specifically says how comfortable you are putting yourself on display. And I have a one. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to draw one card. Here we go. Ooh, that's not terrible. That's a nine of cups. Nine of cups. So yeah, choose one. Your camera requires maintenance or you draw unsafe attention to yourself. Damn it. I mean, Kieran doesn't have like the the best uh, Polaroid. I think it I think I definitely have like other Polaroids that are broken apart so that I can fix the one that I have, the primary one. So I think like in the midst of taking all of these photos, it sort of like overheats question mark or one of the mechanisms like snap inside of it. But I do manage to get the pictures without really drawing attention until people start noticing and then I just stop. Awesome. So yes, you will need to repair your camera before you use it again. There is a move for that tinker, but I might uh, hold off on getting you to, to do that. Yeah. So as you say, people do start noticing, um, but they're, you know, their attention isn't necessarily hostile. And you have a couple of kids who, who notice that you have a camera and they run up to you and they're like, oh, a camera. Oh my gosh. You know, and they, they start asking you questions about it and you can see that they're kids. They're, <laughs> <laughs> they see something new and they're like, I want to know all about it. I'm going to interrupt Archie, whatever Archie's doing, and like grab, grab their coat and like almost like guard myself with Archie. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Archie. Uh, hey. Your friend has a really cool camera. Yeah, they do. And it's, it's very, it's very precious and very easy to break. So that's why I'm standing here to make sure that you're not going to be so overenthusiastic that you're going to break it. You know how to handle delicate things? Yeah. Archie, I broke it. I broke it, Archie. <laughs> Rowan, Rowan in the background is just like pinching her nose. <laughs> you broke it? Oh, well, there's the, the junk pile where we, we bring up broken stuff and we use it to repair other broken stuff if you wanted to, to go find. I don't know if they have any bits small enough for a camera, but... That would be awesome. You say the junk pile where you bring stuff up? Where does the stuff from the junk pile come from? From the mines. You're new here, hey. Yeah, super new. And that sounds real cool. Can we see the junk pile? Yeah, follow me. <laughs> and this kid babbles at you the whole way about how there's been new people recently. It's really cool. There's more people to play with. They bring stories from the surface because they don't get to go up and see it very often. This kid is stoked to see new people. And as the kids are dragging us away, Archie just looks over their shoulder at Rowan, who's still sort of looking exasperated, and gives them a kind of, I don't know, I'm improvising kind of expression. <laughs> yeah, she, I, I think she's going to follow and like, she's like scratching in some sort of shorthand in the notebook as she's listening to this. And like, the kid is at least more forthcoming than like anybody else they've talked to, so... I'm gonna I'm gonna do the the responsible safeguarding thing, and as they're babbling, be like, uh, "Do you have parents around? Uh, do, uh, would they be okay with you talking to us?" 
oh yeah, my parents, they live in that, that tent over there. And um, they point to a tent, which is completely indistinguishable from all the ones around it. <laughs> um, but you probably know, you, you being the very spatially aware one could probably distinguish it. Yeah, no, they don't mind. They'd probably be excited to see new people too. Oh, that's cool. It's, it's great to meet people who are excited to meet strangers because we're always strangers wherever we go. That must be hard. Is that hard? I don't know, because we're not strangers to each other and we're always together. I want to go traveling one day and maybe I'll go with my best friends. Anyway, here's the junk pile. And it sure is a junk pile. It's just crates and like some of the stuff has been kind of loosely sorted, you know, into like nuts and bolts and bits of wire. And and then there's just a pile in the middle of unsorted stuff. Kieran, if you wanted to repair your camera, you could do so here. I will. I think before I go up to the pile, I'm going to sort of like shimmy out from behind Archie and take a picture that I have of the kid and their friends and sort of just like hand it to them without saying anything. And then as I walk away, I'm like, we're not strangers anymore. And then go try to repair repair my camera. And the kid is just like staring at the photo with wide eyes like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go show my my mom's. Thank you so much. And they run off. (laughs) If you wanted to tinker, uh, you could do so now. So when you repair or maintain a piece of equipment, choose one. When you repair a piece of equipment while sharing an intimate or vulnerable conversation, choose two. Uh, So the item is restored to full functionality. Draw one extra card the first time you use it or shuffle two discarded cards back into the deck. Ooh, actually, yeah. Could I reveal something to this kid before they leave as my vulnerable conversation? Yeah, sure thing. Um, And I definitely think you've already started that. Yeah, I'm going to say, as my friend said, meeting new people, it's uh, pretty common for us. I don't get I don't. It's hard for me to open as much. And you're really, really good at immediately meeting people. But for some people, it's different. And for me, getting to share this picture with you is my way of saying that um, you seem cool. And I'm interested in knowing more about you. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I have a friend. He doesn't like talking to people much either, but um, he'll really like this picture. And I'm really glad you came and and I got to see your camera. And this is really cool. Thank you so much. And they're like vibrating. (laughs) (laughs) So excited. Can I can I go show my friend now? Uh, Yes. Um, And, you know, show, show your parents and stuff and, you know, let them know that we're here. Oh, my name's Sash, by the way. What's your name? Uh, Kieran. And I sort of like take the picture back for a moment and write <laughs> Sash on it and give it back. Yeah. Can, can I have the pen? Uh... Just for a sec. So I can write your name. Sure. Here you go. <laughs> Sash takes the pen and writes your name on the back of the photo as well. Thank you. Okay, bye. Bye. So yeah, I'll do item restored to full functionality and I'll draw an extra card the first time uh, that I use it. While that was happening, can Archie and Rowan have been having a conversation? Yeah, absolutely. So once the kids are kind of occupied uh, helping Kieran sort through the junk pile, Archie comes up to Rowan and is like, so if we're on the clock, what do you think is going to work better? Uh, trying to go door to door or stand up in the town square and do the whole like town gathering act? Is this to try and tell them to leave or try to get them to volunteer information for why this is happening? Uh, either, I guess. I mean, this place is reminding me a little bit of home. And if they are anything like that, if any more of them are like Petra, then I don't think instructing them to leave is going to have much purchase. But maybe telling them all that we're interested in the developments and 
asking them to tell us more about what's been going on, maybe, would help. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I had a thought. Perhaps we could, I don't know, use a spell of some sort to see if there might be something that is aggravating the growth here. I don't know, see if they maybe dug up something they shouldn't have, or if it's something that the entire community is contributing to. That's good. If we don't have to uproot anybody to, or if nobody has to uproot to save themselves, then that's obviously the best outcome. I mean, I'll be working on evacuation plans in the meantime as a as a plan B, but yeah, yours sounds like plan A for sure. All right. Well, maybe it's just me, but I think maybe the junk pile might be the place we can start. There could be, she thinks about this for a moment, like tapping her finger to her chin. I don't know, maybe there, maybe we can... Do I could do some sort of spell while you're while you're looking into things here. See if I can find something even at the bottom of this. She's gonna open up her notebook and flip it to a fresh page. Did you want to draw spellcraft? Yes. So I think this is gonna be a glamour. So I'm improvising an unfamiliar spell here. So I would like to find the cause of the growth of the thistle. Sure thing. How do you cast this spell? So what it is is that for like anything that is longer and more intense like this, uh, Rowan will go into something of a, a blank state and she'll let the limerence into her. And she, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the process of automatic writing. So basically the idea is that she simply just has a hand on her pen and she lets the magic guide her and write the spell. Mm. I love that. Which can be, which can be very, depending on how the magic feels, can be very successful or very disastrous. Yeah, I think that's definitely glamour. What is your glamour? Um, it's two. Two. So if you want to go ahead and draw two cards. I have the knight and the... Oh, 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 we got a major arcana. <laughs> that is the sun. So should I flip to see if it's upright or reverse? Yes. Upright. Good for you. <laughs> so the sun, heat and life, absolute illumination, radiant and densely saturated, defining the world by both its presence and its absence. When drawn upright, garish, beautiful kitsch and camp without apology. This is a big mood in an underground community. <laughs> yeah. So you let the limerence wash through you and, you know, deliver its answers to you on your page. And you get this wonderful, warm sense of community. These people really care about each other. You also get the sense that they're maybe not as aware of how dire things are, that maybe Petra might be shouldering the majority of that burden. You do know, or you do learn, that there was an incident uh, in the mines, which are kind of, they're deeper, they kind of go diagonally down from this location where they were using some of the old equipment uh, and there was an accident, which had to do, as far as the community understands, with malfunction in one of the, the machines that they were using. Um, and a couple of people were hurt and a couple of people were killed. So you know that the hurt people are in this town's version of an infirmary, basically. And you also know that that accident occurred at the greatest depth of the mine. But again, this community is like, you know, mining accidents happen. They're very resilient. You get this really strong sense of like pride in the community that they built and the resources that they've managed to adapt and reclaim in this place. And these people look after each other. Mm -hmm. So what I can find from this is that the source of this was this accident. 
Yes. Just want to make sure I've got that right. Okay. Yes. Sorry. So basically tapping into the town's understanding of what's happened. There was an accident at the very depths of the mine and some of the people who survived that accident are here in the town if you want to go and question them. The other thing I should add, sorry, to more fully answer your question since that was a full success. You definitely get the sense that there is more to this story Mm -hmm. than what the town believes. And you are almost certain that they dug deep enough to find something, possibly something attached to the roots, and that they are likely reacting to this perceived threat. Okay. Yeah, we'll share that information. And from there, I think we can go to, like, find the people who were injured there. If I'm done fixing my camera and was told this, I think I'm going to start handing out my pictures to people, not as in-depth as with uh, Sash, but kind of like relying on Sash to spread the word that like what the meaning of these pictures are and just try to get like as many of these like families to just have these pictures with them. Are these the pictures of... Of them. I'm just kind of like handing out like them in their like candid states to each other, just trying to spread the pictures around. And I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to tell Rowan and Archie that I think it's important that whatever is about to happen, that they're reminded how, how tight of a community they are. Yeah. So you go, you step away from the junk pile. You hail Sash again, who comes running up and has some friends (laughs) behind them who are eager for pictures as well. And you oblige happily and they, you know, start running off and showing people. And it's so faint, but you notice the torchlight becomes a little steadier and a little brighter. So you, you think you've definitely, you've got your finger on the pulse of what makes this community strong right now. Interesting. Well, like I said, I think, I think them being able to remember that will be good. So what's the plan, uh, Archie? I think we need to find someone to take me, at least, or maybe all of us, down to where the accident happened. I think we need to see what they dug up. And the other thing I'm worried about is that the, the people who died down there, that maybe they can't find their way, their way back out. And if that's the case, I can help them. But, and I can, I can find my way down there, but we should take somebody who knows mine safety. Dave seems to be the one with the most sway out of everyone. Dave has kind of been maintaining a respectful distance. <laughs> they kind of faded into the background a little bit once um once Sash was leading you places, but they, they have still been following you since <laughs> they weren't formally dismissed as a guide. <laughs> so Dave kind of clears their throat and says, <clears throat> Yeah, I can I can take you down there if if you want. If you're sure, Dave, I I, I don't want to put a damper on things, but uh I think we need to see the place. No, no, uh I don't want to scare everyone, and I, I think I already know that something's, something's up. Uh, it's harder to tell down here that the problem is worse, because not many people go to the surface, and that's where most of the vines are, it's just the roots that are down here. So, uh, no, I'll, I'll come with you. I wasn't there when it happened, but uh, I, I know people who were, and I know, I know where it is, so let's go. Uh, and they, they turn around again without waiting to see if you're following. <laughs> As that happens, there is a kind of... It's not an explosion, but there's definitely a kind of shockwave. This real kind of sound from above. Uh, and you all look up. Despite what Dave said about there mainly being roots under the ground, you can see some of the, the thistle growth up at the top of this cavern. And you can tell that actually you are under another one of those buildings that's kind of serving as a very, very rudimentary skylight. And the vines have kind of grown in the windows. And there is what was a big flower bud kind of directly inside or right on the end of one of those vines. And it has just bloomed explosively. 
uh, and there's this purple, bright purple at the top of this cavern and pollen is drifting down. Dave kind of turns around and looks up and goes, well, I assume that's not good. I'm going to shoot a look at Rowan that Rowan would extremely notice as sort of like a vibe check on Rowan's mood. Rowan is like looking at this whole thing with equal amounts of anxiety and intrigue at this moment. She is like realizes that, wow, this is really fucked, but it is very intriguing for her. Kieran's just going to like reach out and give like one single very firm grab onto Rowan's arm and then retract. She's been staring at us, I think, for a few moments. That's going to like sort of like bring her out of that and she'll smile and say, well, this is interesting. Rowan, would you consider that gesture from Kieran to have fulfilled their vow to support your negative emotions? Uh, yes. Yay. (laughs) Excellent. When a coven member tells you that you have fulfilled a vow completely, two things happen. First, strike it through and write a new vow. Second, you gain a resource called trust. So long as you hold at least one trust, you can communicate wordlessly with other members of your coven. Trust can be spread at any time in exchange for any of the following effects. To protect yourself or a member of your coven from harm, to open a door between you and anyone in your coven, to open a window to the thoughts and feelings of the coven, or to assume control of a scene to accomplish any one thing, no matter how impossible for someone you love. So Kieran, I believe now has one trust. Yay. (laughs) So in that moment, Rowan, I assume you're feeling a little bit startled, a little bit, you know, on edge, Mm -hmm. given that you come from a place where people, you know, went through a magical disaster and have a lot of societal level trauma from that. And in that moment where Kieran reaches out to comfort you and, you know, validate your feelings and check in between the three of you, you feel you feel a rush of magic. Um, You can feel that the limerence between the three of you Something has just happened and it's, it's stronger. And yes, now if you want, uh, you can communicate more complex ideas and feelings to each other without using words than you already were able to. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> and so, and Kieran, you have one trust, which you can spend at any time to do any of those four things. So Dave kind of looks up at this, this thistle bloom. Where does it look like the pollen's going? Does it look like it's going to land on the people? Yes. I'm going to have to improvise some spell casting then to make that not happen. Excellent. What spell are you trying to cast and what does it look like? So air currents are just another kind of landscape, right? And they can be navigated like anything else. So Archie takes out a very heavy, solid brass compass out of one of the vest pockets and dashes forward to kind of stand under where the pollen is going to fall and is looking down, consulting the compass, looking up and moving the hand that's not holding the compass around in complex patterns as they map the air currents and attempt to use limerence and use magic to push them to carry the pollen away somewhere where it's not going to land on anybody. Perfect. What stat are you going to draw with? Let me just check. I'm leaning. Where am I leaning? I'm thinking maybe either guts or glamour. Yeah, I would definitely go glamour there. Yeah, I'm sort of in the middle of everything, right? Yeah. My glamour is two. Two? So if you want to draw two cards? Okay. I have. Oh, yes. That's a major arcana. And the Ten of Swords. So we have nine, the Hermit. And it's the Hermit reversed. Oh, reversed. 
So because you drew a 10, this is still a success because the outcome is based on the highest card, but something weird and magical also happens because you drew a major arcana and that weird and magical thing will probably have a negative bent because it was a reverse. Study in solitude, the pool of obsolete technologies forging modern understandings and influences for the lessons of those trapped in the past when drawn in reverse, indecipherable trash, foolish even for its time. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) That is interesting. Doesn't sound good. (laughs) Mm. I think you succeed at blasting this pollen back up out through the windows of this tiny building on top of this yawning cavern. So you protect the people from the pollen, which you're not really sure what the pollen does, but you assume it's bad. But as you draw on this strengthened sense of of limerence that you've just, just received, it blasts the pollen back up beautifully. There is, there is a slight rumble as that happens, and you can see that the, the roof of this building has been a little bit destabilized. Nothing has happened, nothing bad has happened, but you have just weakened the integrity of their skylight, which was obviously poorly built in the first place if a puff of wind... <laughs> also, who builds, a, who builds a, a house on top of a cavern? <laughs> because this was glamour, Archie showboats a little as the spell pulls off and, and like bows for anybody who was watching that display. I take a picture. But with this newfound, like the trust connection, because Kieran and Rowan can both understand Archie non-verbally, they can see in the way that he is moving. It's like, oh, I overdid that a little bit. I might have caused some problems. <laughs> Luckily, no one seems to have noticed. They, they totally buy your, your showmanship. There's a couple of kids, including Sash, who kind of run up and they're clapping and some adults who are kind of like, you know, nod gratefully at you and kind of look up fearfully. And they're more aware of the problem now than they were. And the people are kind of beginning to huddle together and start discussing. Dave comes up to you again and is kind of like, thanks for that. Uh, I guess we probably need to hurry, huh? Yeah. Uh, let's, let's try and take care of the problem at the root, huh? Haha. <laughs> Good one. Uh, <clears throat> follow me. <laughs> And Dave leads you across to the other side of the cavern to another tunnel. Similar to the one you crossed through, it's kind of this very round tunnel with a raised wooden boardwalk that walks through it. And as you get to the other side, you can see the elevator, which goes up to the surface and also goes down. So Dave opens the door on this cage of the elevator. You all follow them in and they close the door behind you and it's very it's very weird for you all because it's comforting in one way because it reminds you of your rolly vehicle, but it also is a bit claustrophobic and oppressive and you're suddenly very aware that you're going to be descending into the bowels of the earth to confront a magical effect or entity or something, which you've never done before, any of you. So uh, as Dave lowers the cage and it rattles around you, how are you all feeling? Do you say anything? I think I'm going to like, using our telepathic bond, (laughs) I think I'm going to like exhale steadily almost to try to communicate with everybody. Just try to calm everyone down a bit. (sighs) Yeah, Archie needed that because Archie can only see this elevator shaft in terms of it being a choke point. So I had snapped a photo of you taking that bow and I think noticing that it was sort of like a moment of like, oh no, I'm going to like burn it because I don't want, <laughs> I don't want Archie to have that memory saved of like, oh, I might have fucked up. I'll, re- I'll release Archie of that feeling, I think. 
So uh, Archie notices that, like, smells the photo burning, looks around at Kieran and uh, gives like a, a, a little half wink and a quirk of the mouth that is just like, yeah, thanks. <laughs> appreciate that. Really appreciate it. <laughs> I think that Rowan is just like, she does a little clench and unclench of her fists and sort of just like rolls her shoulders and just gives them both like a very quick nod. So there's a m- mighty clunk as this cage hits the bottom and Dave leads you out of it and then down. So this is as far as the elevator goes, but they have been digging here for a long time. So you go down and down and down and it's reminiscent of the first pathway that brought you in, this this wooden walkway that's attached to the side of this deep tubular cave, although this one is a little bit more diagonal. Um, And you can see the scrapings on the walls. This is definitely, you know, a very large piece of of mining equipment that's been digging out through the stone. And as you get deeper, the lights get darker. The further away from the community you get, even though there's still light, there's still torches and stuff, but the further away you get from the beating heart of that community, the more mundane that light becomes. And you you realize just how much that community is literally lighting itself up. (laughs) So Dave... Shut me up if um if if I'm digging too deep and, and prying too much here, but this might might end up being important. I know you weren't down here when the accident happened, but did you how well did you know the people who died? I mean everyone knows everyone here, but uh my partner was was down here when it happened. Uh and he he wasn't one of the ones that came back. I had a feeling. I'm I'm really sorry, Dave. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. Hopefully what we're going to, whatever we're going to do down here helps, helps him and helps you. Thank you. I just, I just don't want the, the rest of the town to follow, you know? Yeah, I know. He, he knew the risks coming down into this mine. We all do. We are happy to do it to protect our town, but uh, it'd be good to know that it wasn't in vain. Here we are. And you see, I don't know if you're familiar with those big mining machines that have the like, it's almost like a saw yeah. on the end. Mm-hmm. It just digs out of the rock. It was obviously painted some bright color at some point in the past, as these machines often are. But it's long since mostly peeled away. So there are little flecks of like bright orange here and there, but then it fades to rust. And then there's coal dust and ore dust, and it all looks very patched and patched again. This is the, the Theseus's ship of, of uh, mining equipment. <laughs> and you can see that the wheel or the saw part of it has kind of, it's hooked in part of the rock and it's kind of become unhooked from the axle. There aren't any like scorch marks or anything. The way the people up in the community seem to interpret it as there was some sort of, you know, explosion or fiery thing, and that's why there were no bodies. But it doesn't look like that. It just looks like everything just stopped. And you do see they're obviously connected to the vines. These are the roots. They're paler and less fibrous, but they've grown up and around this machine and they're kind of crushing it slowly. Every now and then there's a slight creak of the metal um, and they are coming out of whatever part of the rock wall that this wheel has kind of caught on and broken. Obviously going to take a picture of this. (laughs) And I think just looking at it, Kieran's sort of reminded of what the older people in their uh, nomadic family told them about like how even before the apocalypse, some machinery was like just abandoned and nature was allowed to grow around it. Mm. And I think they're sort of just going to like hold that thought in their mind as they're watching this picture develop. 
And I think Kieran's going to try to read if the plant is being antagonistic or defensive. So I think that would be scrying eyes. I get to draw two for that. That first one's a woof. You all have so much insight into what these cards are, and I'm just like, that's a woof. I know nothing about tarot cards. <laughs> I'm going to take a wild guess that that might be the moon. That is the moon. Heck yeah. Yeah, that's a moon and a five snake with some sticks. <laughs> <laughs> five of wands. All right, so that is a major arcana. Do you want to go spin that spinner to see if it's upright or reversed? That's a tails. Oops. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. On a two to five, because technically the five is the higher of those cards, you learn something you wish weren't true. And 18, the moon, glow and shift. Trusting in half-truths, howling to an ever-shifting face at the mercy of whims as ever-changing as the tides. When drawn in reverse, gone strange-shaped and indistinct, lost in the dark. Uh, so... (laughs) (laughs) It's going great. Speaking of the dark... Yeah, you study these roots and you become aware very quickly that they are aware that they are being observed and they react. Oh no. They react quickly and violently by um, lashing out and knocking the torch that Dave has from their hands and it falls on the ground and goes out and you are all plunged into complete darkness and you can hear these roots moving around you and the movement of the earth and the creak of the metal, and you can feel them brushing up against your ankles. What do you do? I think I would like to try and use magic to create some space for us. Go for it. What does that look like? So what I think it's going to be is where this is fast, like faster, not like meditative magic. For this, it is just Rowan sort of goes into a like a flow state when she's doing longer magic. This is just more brutish, forceful. And so it is instead of incredible focusing of her will and directing that outwards with a hand motion of like using her fist and like just punching it down to try and clear this away. That sounds like guts. Yeah, that sounds like a power through, actually, like that's specifically what I was like going for there. Power through is more for like physical challenge. So I would say this is still a spellcraft. Okay. If you are trying to magically clear the vines, power through is more if you're mundanely brute forcing something. Okay, so still anyways, uh, it's going to be one with guts. So let's see what we got here. Oh, it's two of swords. <laughs> no. Oh, no. <laughs> On a two to five, you need more power to cast a spell. Describe who you hurt to take it. Mm, I think it might be from Kieran. <laughs> Just like doing it more reflexively out of anything. And she's not thinking about it. So she's just drawing on that through their bonds. I think a complication might come into play here. So when characters in Dust Warden significantly alter, affect, or damage the people or environment around them, they may apply complications to them. Complications are words that embody the way the subject has been changed by outside forces. They are by their nature detrimental or at least troublesome, and they impact the actions that can be taken by and against the subject. So, Rowan and Kieran, you feel the overdraw of the magic of your bond. And I think, Kieran, you are particularly affected given your earlier (laughs) startledness and the darkness and the you know magic going wrong what complication would kieran have from experiencing this magical overdraw um 
So you're specifically trying to like cast a defensive magic, right? Yeah. So I think that whatever it is that you're trying to do to the plants, Kieran gets a bit of that as well. So being like sort of pushed away. And I don't know if that's like physically or emotionally. And I think that's up to you, whether you like draining Kieran of that emotional connection to you or if you're physically like pushing Kieran away from you and they take physical harm. I think maybe it's the former. Okay. Yeah, I think that makes more sense in this scenario. So what complication? Distant, I guessed. Yeah. So here's the thing. I'm going to I'm going to spend my trust. Ooh. And I'm going to spend my trust specifically on Rowan because knowing Rowan, she's going to like feel responsible and and take this poorly. I'm going to basically use my trust to protect Rowan from feeling too bad about this. Oh. To basically instill that like I know what you did was to protect us and I know that you're going to feel bad about this, but believe me that like it's fine. Don't worry about it. So I'm going to protect Rowan from her own feelings. <laughs> yeah. So you do lose the depth of your wordless communication when you spend that trust. But it's cool. I'm distant anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it makes sense. But Rowan, I think the next time you would take harm, this feeling is going to manifest and if not eliminate it, then at least reduce it. As for the outcome of the spell, you did draw two. <laughs> it kind of works. A little, like there's a there's a pulse back of those roots, but it's not powerful enough. And especially in that moment of realizing that you may have hurt Kieran, you kind of pull the punch and the roots pulse back and then react even more aggressively. And they flow around you and they begin restraining your ankles and your arms. And they're not trying to hurt you. They're just trying to restrain you for now. And as this happens, you kind of all are locked into place. And this machine that was overcome with roots two seconds ago has kind of reshaped itself or the roots have reshaped it into a weird semblance of a face. The wheel, you, you could, you could swear that there's, there's a bit of glowiness in it. There's kind of, there's a reflectiveness and a paleness to everything. And you can kind of just see things now. There's this faint glow coming from the center of that wheel and you feel like it's looking at you and one of the vehicle doors very slowly and not moving a huge amount, but begins kind of going in and out, almost as if this being was breathing. Why have you come? And you hear this voice in your head, but you also see, you also see that vehicle door opening and closing like a mouth. (laughs) Why have you come? Kieran is specifically not responding and I think is now sort of reflectively like picking at the picture they just took of the plant and sort of just like isolating as best they can, even though they're tied up. We came down here because we think something is going to happen up on the surface and everything seemed to point the way down here as the source of that event. We wanted to understand what had happened down here so we could understand what might happen up there and to help anyone who might have been hurt or might be about to be hurt if we possibly can. The children live on the surface. They must be protected. The machines, the humans, they harm us. We were sleeping. We were healing. But then they came back. We must protect the children. We must protect ourselves. 
I'm sorry. I don't think they knew. And there are, there are children of our kind up there as well who'll be hurt if you keep doing what you're doing. I think now that we know, we can stop the machines, we can stop them digging where it hurts you, if you can forgive enough not to hurt them. I sense you mean well, small one. But they always return. The digging never stops. They will destroy us. Our children will not spread. Our voice will fall silent. And the land will die. Um, uh, did you know that, um, when a picture is taken, dormant chemicals are, um, triggered and they all, they, the chemicals and the lens of the camera and the, the, the light being pulled in, they, uh, they react abruptly at first, but sort of work together to make something that is, is, is understandable and beautiful. Uh, I, I, I think what... I think what they did down here was abrupt, but wasn't working in, in unison. And I don't know if you know that this has happened before, but it, it usually ends in something un-understandable and not beautiful. Um, I don't know if there's a way to work in harmony, but I think what these people were trying to do was trigger something, whether that was just surviving or, or learning more. Would you like to roll negotiate? Sure. <laughs> I know you were also trying to negotiate before, Archie, so... Can we work together? Yeah, I was going to ask. There's no help mechanic in this game, is there? Yeah. But I mean, I'm also distant, so I think, I think Kieran was like trying to make a point regardless of whatever Archie was saying. I mean, if you want to roll and negotiate and draw an extra card, mm-hmm. whoever wants to do that. I think, yeah, if you want to do that, because you, you sort of have intentions behind this, I think Kieran is sort of just reactionarily giving out facts and applying it metaphorically mm. without any expectations. So I think you can draw from that if you wish. Cool. I'm cool to give it a try. <laughs> I, I mean, I definitely think this is give. Yeah. Uh, acknowledging other people's struggles, being gentle. Exactly. Go for it. All right. Drawing two. First one is the King of Swords and the Nine of Wands. Awesome. On a face card, they do what you want or give you what you seek. So the roots, they kind of shiver at your words and the voice says, Yes, we know of others of our kind who have protected themselves the way they needed to. We are prepared to do the same, though we take no joy in hurting children, whether they be our children, children of your earth and the sky. But this has happened so many times, it always comes back. Your kind takes and it takes, even when they don't know. We, we do not know of a solution, but if one exists, we would like to know of it. So the roots are basically, they're at the point where they'll definitely work with you, but only if a viable solution is presented. Okay. I feel like Archie should be good at that because it's kind of navigating a difficult situation and plotting a path out of out of conflict and towards harmony. <laughs> but I don't know if I, Matt, know, this, <laughs> know their solution that Archie would come up with. Kieran's sort of... Um sort of preparations 
they're ready to do something, but they're sort of waiting for one of the more analytical people to, or one of the more um, smart people <laughs> to um, initiate something. And Kieran is prepared to use a spellcraft that they have been sort of plotting out during these events. But they specifically need someone else to have a plan. So speaking out of character, the reason that the folks here are mining at all is because they need something to trade for food. Exactly. So we could feasibly stop them mining if we can provide them with something else to trade. So if the roots and the plants are able to offer something that the folk here would be able to trade with others for food or eat. Out of character, I have two, I have two thoughts. One, I was like, oh, well, couldn't the plants grow stuff for the people to eat? But then I'm like, the face just said that's their children. That would be fucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't think we can sell those. So my second option is that the plants have basically a non-destructive way of digging into the dirt, which is the root system. If they can somehow pull valuable things like resources and stuff that aren't too destructive from the earth and bring it to the people, then that means that the people no longer have to dig deep and the plant's environment is no longer destroyed. Ooh, root elevators and root conveyor belts and stuff. Yeah. I like that thought very much. <laughs> <laughs> I think Rowan could pop in with that. She could step forward and say something. She could say, they disturbed you only because they were needing to find something so they could receive food. You seem to be doing what they were trying to do, but even better. We understand hunger. We do not understand how they eat the earth like we do. Let us show you. On that, I think... Kieran is going to grab the picture that they just took of the plant sort of devouring the equipment, as well as all of the pictures that they've taken of the end results of this, and is going to attempt to create almost like a sympathetic empathy between these pictures and the pictures that the people above us have been looking at. Am I still tied up? I think the roots have... They're still around your arms and your ankles, but they're loose now, so you can move freely. Okay. Kind of. <laughs> I'm sorry, going to take the pictures of the end game in this plant and sort of like place it in the ground in front of it while talking to the plant, because I want to try to infuse some intimacy into this. I'm going to tell it that uh, you said that you don't understand, which is um, something that I deal with myself. I think the issue between your children and the, the children that we have is... Uh, sense of communication. And with your permission, I would like to try something that might alleviate some of that. The vehicle kind of tilts as if the roots are nodding. <laughs> They're intrigued. Very intrigued. All right. I'm going to try to spellcraft. The thing that is in the picture that I took, which is the roots um, and whatnot, can feel the sense of like community and connection and love that the people who have looked at the other pictures that I have given and sort of create this like common understanding of each of their their plights as well as their like thoughts and whatnot. Amazing. Draw with give. Sick. So that would be three if you if my intimacy is is good. <laughs> So that is the eight of cups, the one of a fox, <laughs> and the four of snake not being entangled by sticks. <laughs> that one is the magician. That's a major arcana. Um, so if you want to roll that heads or tails spinner. Oh, yeah. Hey, what if I didn't have to, though? What if I don't want to? <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, that was almost heads. <laughs> oh boy, give it to me. Um, you will still succeed because of that eight. Who shuffled this deck and put all the major arcana in upside down? <laughs> <laughs> all right. The magician. Method and practice. Practiced expertise makes clever tools of any element found between heaven and earth. The question is not can it be done, but should it? Ooh. When drawn in reverse, what breaks cannot be reforged. <laughs> no. And on a six to ten, choose two. Your spell is too weak or too powerful. Your spell is erratic or unstable. You must sacrifice something to cast the spell or you attract unwanted attention. Can I suggest attracting unwanted attention as one of those? Sure. I'm going to do that one and too weak or too powerful. Give it to me, boss. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think this is a very large scale piece of magic, which you probably haven't attempted before. At least if you have attempted it, you haven't tried to attempt it with so many photos and with such distance. Yeah, I think it's always kind of passive. Like, I don't know that I'm doing it. And this is the first time trying to do it for realsies. Exactly. And also this is between an ancient root entity and a community of humans (laughs) who obviously have not been able to communicate. So you're aware of all this, and I think your spell is too powerful. And as well as the thistle roots feeling the sense of community from the people above, you definitely get the sense that the people above are now very aware of what is happening down below. (laughs) What breaks cannot be reforged. Their sense of not safety, but their sense of ignorance. Now everyone knows. Everyone knows and they can't unknow that there is a giant thistle monster at the bottom of their mind. <laughs> oh no. And Dave, because they are very connected to this community, despite being separated from them and so far underground, kind of like huffs and says, Oh no. <laughs> uh, that could be a problem. But the thistle roots go very still and very quiet, but they get brighter. That kind of very slight ambient bioluminescence becomes a proper bioluminescence and you're cast in this eerie, pale, white-gray light. This is as it should be. Why, if they have this, must they carve scars into my earth? They are coming. And uh, and Dave is like, it's right, uh, I, I think I can hear the elevator. And you can, you can hear the elevator and you can hear footsteps on the wooden path. And, and you have quite a bit of time before they get here because you came down a very long way and you definitely get the sense that your ability to hear and perceive what's happening right now is definitely magically enhanced by your connection to the roots, to each other, and to Dave through their connection to their community. The limerence is all, it's all blending together at the moment because there's a lot of feelings happening. What do you do? Um, <laughs> I think Rowan is going to speak to Dave and say, this can't continue. If if you keep mining, this thing is going to keep growing as a response and neither of you or one of you, probably neither of you are going to survive what comes. I, uh, I completely agree. I don't, I don't want that, but I don't know what we're supposed to do. You can learn to coexist. You can you can talk with it. Find some common ground. Find a find a way to get what you need to survive without hurting it. The roots chime in. I understand that my earth is not what you need to survive, but simply a tool. I can help you. These machines, they're working against me, but I can work with you. 
but please, the humans, they must agree to this as well, and there must be no more digging. And as they say this, Petra rounds the corner <laughs> with an angry mob. What on earth? Um, technically in earth. And you definitely get the sense that Petra knew about this, but the people with her did not. I really want to use that thing I know about her against her now. Do it, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> oh boy. I think the best play here is that she's the one that we should focus our aggression on rather than the plants and the people. So I'm going to, I'm going to grab the picture that I have of her and the first one I took and sort of like disregarding Rowan and Archie for a moment. I'm going to like walk up to her and be like, the person in this picture seems to know what was going on, but feels that not saying anything is a mistake. I think everybody, the community might agree that it was a mistake. And I'm going to hand her the picture. Ooh. Feels like a negotiation. <laughs> I think this is actually a smite. Oh boy. Ooh. Because you're using an enemy's weakness against it. Draw as many cards as the target has complications. Now she has one complication, which is guilty. But you can draw a second card because of the, the draw that you made earlier. No one holds an ace. So if you want to draw two... Yes, two cards. This doesn't use a stat. All right. I'm scared. <laughs> Ooh, that's a 20 of elephant and a five of goat. Oh, damn. Oh, judgment. <laughs> we got double major arcana. Oh, boy. <laughs> we got the hierophant and judgment. Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what I'm doing to her, so... Yep. So do you want to spin that spinner twice? Come on, heads. Oh, come on. <laughs> Oh no. Um, so I'll say that's judgment tales. Woo-woo. <laughs> <laughs> and do you want to spin it again for No. It's Whoa, heads! what? Wow. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so that is judgment reversed and the hierophant upright. So judgment, hammer and pin. A perplexing answer from an unlikely source. A resurrection, a thing forever changed by being observed. Dross burn away to unveil the molten heart and underside revealed. When drawn in reverse, mold creeping through seams, thought sealed. And the Hierophant. Creed and vow, ritual repeated becomes tradition. The collective wisdom of the community shaping what is sacred and forming family. When drawn upright, nuance is revealed by the mirror of the old world's ways. Mm. This is just classic tarot shit. It's like, this is so applicable. <laughs> Every time I, I draw a major arcana, I'm like, oh, it fits the situation so perfectly. So this is a success because the highest card you drew was a, an upright arcana. I think what happens is that you feel Petra's resistance. Petra is angry at being called out, basically, and she's panicking a little. But the people around her, there's kind of a group of six or seven of them. Another woman steps forward and says, Petra, did you know about this? And Petra's kind of like, well, yes, but I was trying to protect you. And this other woman says, but you don't think we deserve to know about the giant plant monster under our town? I mean, what were you going to do? Were you just going to wait until we ran out of food and needed to start digging? What Did you think this through at all? And Petra kind of, her shoulders slump and she goes, no, I didn't. I just, we have more people. I panicked. What was I supposed to do? And there's this real sense of like, Petra is burnt out from the leadership, basically. Well, look, we all know now we have to do something. I mean, can we destroy it? No, no, no. And the roots darken and they, they tighten around your ankles and they wiggle up towards the other people. No, 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 no. It's okay. It's okay. We've solved your problem. They will look at you in disbelief. I, I find that very hard to believe. No, look, 
Archie pulls some glow sticks from from one of his many cargo jacket pockets just to provide a little more light and holds one up behind to the wall that all the roots are growing through. Look, first of all, don't say monster, that's rude. Second of all, look how much better they are at breaking rock than you ever were. They can bring ore to the surface for you without any of you ever having to come down here, without any of you ever having to put yourselves in danger ever again. And all they ask, and I kind of like turn and almost like checking with the roots that this is all they're asking, is for you not to send your machines down here where you can damage them anymore. This seems like a win-win situation. The roots go almost completely slack around your arms and legs, Archie. They don't lessen on the townsfolk, which you take as agreement. (laughs) Petra's kind of shut down. This is all too much for her and she's kind of taken a step back and this other woman steps forward and says, that that would be wonderful if it's true, but I mean, how, how do we know? How do we know that it will keep its end of the bargain? How will it know that you'll keep yours? You gotta trust each other. Ooh, can you roll, can you draw negotiate? <laughs> sure thing. I think this is probably glamour, right? Putting myself on display for others to see. It's either glamour or guts. Yeah. But I'm happy for you to use whichever stat is best. <laughs> Gl- glamour is better for me if you're happy that that's not too jammy to go with that one. Okay. Okay. One. Page of wands, I believe that is. Mm-hmm. Face card, very good. And four of swords. So, page of wands, that is a success. On a face, they do what you want or give what you seek. So, this woman who looks slightly younger than Petra, you can see that that struck a chord with her. And she kind of looks over to the vines and says, I suppose that's true. We didn't mean to hurt you. We, we were just trying to survive and this stuff was here and it worked for us. But if there's a better way, if there's a way that means we won't be hurt and you won't be hurt, then I mean, we should try it, right? And the, the roots glow brighter. And this woman looks back to Petra and says, what do you think, boss? And Petra just kind of swallows and nods and you can see that there are tears in her eyes and she's just, she's exhausted and obviously very grateful that this decision has been taken out of her hands. And the roots let go of everyone and kind of withdraw a little. And they say, very well, we will help you and we will all survive. And then they surge forward around and kind of grow up the tunnel. And you can see some of the vines that are kind of growing back in, like more burst out of the walls. Some of them do like puff into bloom, but there's no pollen that's expelled. It's just the flowers just open up, just little ones down here. And as this happens, the wall opens up and you can see that the thing that the digging machine had hit was this enormous glowing bulb under the ground, which is obviously the source of where all these roots were. And in that bulb, you can see bodies and they slowly get pushed to the surface and they fall out and they begin gasping for air. Dave goes, Jamie, and runs over to one of them and picks them up. And these are obviously the miners who were presumed dead. They look a little worse for wear. (laughs) They look like maybe the bulb was feeding on them just Mm. a little, but they're still alive. Mm -hmm. Archie nudges Rowan. And just says quietly, that was a pretty good sight, right? Yeah, this is, uh, I've got a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> Save them for now. Just enjoy the moment for a little. If you insist. I think as everyone's sort of like 
rushing to the people who are coming out of the plant, I'm going to sort of nondescriptly walk up to Petra. And <laughs> I imagine she's still like holding the picture because as everything was going on, that, that was the least of her concerns. Yeah, it's a little crumpled. I'm going to kind of like, while she's still holding it, take out my uh, lighter and just set it on fire and try to release her from the guilt that she is probably still a bit feeling. I think she looks at you in surprise and she doesn't quite understand what you're doing at first. But then the magic tied up in that photo, they captured that feeling as it's released from that photo. There's a sense of release from her. And you don't think that you've absolved her guilt completely because she obviously feels extremely responsible for these people. But you have definitely provided her with some comfort. And this is going to be a guilt that she can utilize as she moves forward to grow and change and be better rather than a guilt that's going to crush her. Then I kind of smack it out of her hand as the fire gets too close to her hands. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. And yeah, you will make your way back up the tunnel, back up the the elevator shaft in the cage. It's rattling around. It's pretty, pretty cramped with all of you in there now. You know, three or four bulb people and six or seven people from the community plus the three of you. Um, It's a bit squishy. Dave is like piggybacking Jamie (laughs) and is just lit up. They're so happy. You get back to the town and everyone is waiting at the mouth of the walkway and they rush forward and they cheer and there's surprise as the the people who thought were dead are reunited with their families. And the younger woman whose name you learn is Sandra kind of steps up and explains to everyone what's happening and what, what the deal is. And as she does, the large blooms up the top of the cavern open up. And again, it's not that that kind of puff with the pollen from earlier. They just unfurl and there's these beautiful purple flowers that just start blooming all around the town. And they say that you're welcome back anytime. They, you know, have a kind of celebration that night. There's a real joyous, real joyous mood. And the next day they send you on your way in your giant wheel, which which rattles quite a lot because a lot of people have come up to bid you farewell <laughs> and they're all thinking about it. As we're saying farewells, Archie's like, Dave, Jamie, Sandra, Sash, you're all cool. If you want to ride, you can ride. Sash is like, yeah! If it's okay with your parents. (laughs) They look back to their mums, who both kind of nod and gesture them forward. I don't think it's working too well right now. Uh, as Kieran's still feeling a little bit disconnected from the other two, it probably is incredibly unstable at the moment. Not to put the mood down, but I think... <laughs> yeah, so your, your gyroscopic cage vehicle thing, it's a bit wobbly because Kieran's still feeling a, a bit distant and a bit disconnected, but Sasha's excitement is, is infectious and you can't help but smile as you watch them climb to the highest point they possibly can and just look out as you kind of do these large laps around the town. And then, of course, all the other kids want to go (laughs) (laughs) because they're all excited and they all get on together. The vehicle's a little bit more stable. And then eventually it is time for you to go. And so you usher all the kids off and they're like, oh, just one more ride. No. (laughs) Their parents are like, no, no, come on. It's getting dark. We got to go. And as you drive away into the distance, that wobble is still there. This experience has not been without impact. But you have faith that it will come right again and that you're going to support each other through it. And you did something really good today. And the Dust Wardens move on to their next destination. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Beautiful.
you so much for joining us for this Dust Wardens one shot for IPM 2021. Dust Wardens was designed by Nora Blake and you can find the game over at itch.io. The tarot readings that you heard are in the Dust Wardens book that were done by Sasha Renault. I have been Ursula, my pronouns are she and they, and you can hear me normally over at Queer Dungeoneers, a Powered by the Apocalypse actual play about being who you are by being someone different. We're an all-queer, all-Australian cast. We have a focus on fun and goofs, but we get a lot of feelings in there as well. We've just wrapped up our season one, so now is a great time to catch up. That's at Queer Dungeons on Twitter, or if you want to find me, it's at Tired Magpie. And I was joined today by Matt, Justin, and Kelly. I'm Matt. Uh, my pronouns are he, him. Uh, when I'm not on IPM, you can hear me on Merely Role Players, which is a podcast where theatrical people play role playing games. We just wrapped up a season playing Riley Rathal's Galactic Second Edition, uh, and we actually have our very first live show coming up. Uh, around Halloween in October. You can find us and all details of that kind of stuff at merelyroleplayers.com. Hi, my name is Justin. My pronouns are they, he. When I'm not here, uh, you can find me on the Babylon Project, where we are going to be having an IPM episode where we interview Mass Effect author Kat Valente, as well as on the Complete Discography podcast. Respectively, those sh- uh, these shows cover our rewatch or reread podcast for Babylon 5 and Terry Pratchett's Discworld. You can find me on Twitter at Justin Wrights. Uh, and I'm Kelly. I'm from Tabletop Titties, an actual play podcast where we have two shows going on right now. Into the Revalia, which is a D&D 5e actual play set in kind of a spooky carnival. And uh, Titties by Night, which is a Vampire the Masquerade stream that I storytell. And it's like Victorian London supernatural investigator vampires. I'm also from Drinking and Screaming, which is a horror movie podcast that I do with my partner, Shar, where we watch horror movies and pair them with cocktails and review them under a queer and feminist lens. Luckily, both of those shows are on break right now because I am tired and exhausted. (laughs) Aren't we all? (laughs) Hope everyone has a safe and happy rest of 2021. And thank you for joining us. Bye. 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 Yay. Woo. All right. Okay. The intro and outro music for all IPM episodes is composed by Benny James. Our graphic art and logo are by Matthias Grelly. You can support International Podcast Month by sharing and talking about the event, and you can even buy our team members a coffee. Links are in the show notes. Follow us at PodMonth on Twitter. Head on over to internationalpodcastmonth.com for the month-long blog and for more information about the event. International Podcast Month. Celebrating creators, sharing listeners.